born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. In your little booklet that you have, today, as we're studying on our membership class, page four in your little constitutional booklet, and number six, number six, because we're going to talk about something that's near and dear and clear to my little heart, and that is salvation, because I believe that's the most important thing you could ever talk to anybody about, and uh, anyway, the title of my sermon today for the church service, The Greatest Scandal in the World. You want to hear the greatest scandal in the world. Everybody always loves a good scandal. Newspapers just love it. They thrive on it. News media can't wait for the next scandal to come out. So anyway, we'll talk about that. But one of the greatest things in all the world is this thing called salvation. Who in the world needs it? Everybody in the world. And the reason is because the Bible says that everybody has violated God's law. We, whatever sin is, whatever it is, we've all done it. They say, well, what is sin? Well, whatever it is, you did it. And I've done it. We have sinned against a righteous, holy God. And because of that, there's a payment that needs to be made. And that payment is eternal separation from God. So we need to be saved from being eternally separated from God. Now, it might not be so bad if we're just eternally separated from God, but could still do whatever we wanted to do. But to be eternally separated from God in a literal fire burning hell, now that changes everything. I've had people say, well, you know, you shouldn't. You shouldn't just trust Christ as your Savior for fire insurance. Well, when I was 18 years old, I was looking for some fire insurance because that's what I thought, that's where I'm going. If I don't trust Christ as my Savior, I'm going to hell. Now, I can't think of a better reason to trust the Lord. It wasn't because I just wanted to fall in love with the Lord. I was told that if God loved me so much and that he paid for my sins, that if I would believe it, uh, he would save me. Well, if that's what i got to do, I'll believe that. I will believe it. And I knew I had eternal life, and I knew I was going to heaven when I died. So I do believe that's the most important thing in all the world. So look there in number six. We believe that salvation is a gift of God in grace and is received by man through personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, whose precious blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. 
So take your Bible and look there at these verses that we have there in the Bible. And these are very important verses. Sometimes people just take it for granted. Well, everybody's heard this. No, 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 not everybody has heard it. Because we have people that trust Christ as Savior all the time that's not always heard this. So in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, you'll notice what he says there in verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In whom, talking about in Christ, we have redemption. In other words, Jesus Christ was the one who redeemed us. It means he paid the price. Redeem means to be bought back, generally from the slave market of sin. In other words, we were sold into sin because we sinned. We sold ourselves. And so, therefore, there's a price to get us back. So Jesus Christ was willing to be that payment for our sins. So he is the redeemer, and uh, he is the payment, because the payment that was necessary was himself. He had to give his life for my life. So he says here in verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, because without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. Sins are not taken away, because the payment requires debt. And the shedding of blood, man can't live without blood. So he shed his blood means he died. He shed his blood means he gave his life. Life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement. That's the payment that's required. So Jesus was the payment. We have been redeemed through his blood. Now get this, the forgiveness of sins. So you can't have forgiveness of sins without a payment for sins being made. This is why you don't go into all the world and just tell people, just confess your sins to God and you'll go to heaven. No. There's no salvation because you confessed your sins. You can confess your sins all day. You can even confess your sins to God and that doesn't save you. A lot of people confessing their sins. They can go to the priest and confess their sin. That's no salvation in that. You have to believe in his son. He that believeth in him shall have remission of sins. Without trusting Christ or accepting him as your savior, as the one who paid for your sins, there is no forgiveness of sins. So this is why there's a lot of things going on in the world that are not biblical and it won't work. But we'll be explaining more of that later. But notice what he says here, according to the riches of his grace. In other words, it wasn't because you deserved it. It was because God loved you so much, and he did this for us. Look in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, and notice what he says there in verse 7. Look in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, how do we know that God is rich in grace? How will we know? Well, he's got to have something to show that is the object of his grace. See, I am the object of God's love. God loves me. All right, but I've been bad. I've been real bad. But so have you. We've all been bad. We've all done things wrong. So when we trust Christ as our Savior, we are little trophies of God's grace that God can say, look how rich I was. I bought him, and I bought him, and I bought him, 
and I bought her, and I bought her. And see how rich God is? You see, his grace, he was rich in grace. Look how many people he has bought by grace alone. We didn't pay any price. But Jesus became the payment for our sins, and that shows you how rich God is in grace because he did that to pay for the sins of how many people? Everybody in the world. So God is rich in grace. It means that he made a payment sufficient for everybody. You know, that's good news. That's so great. You think, well, everybody needs to hear that. That's right. Everybody needs to hear that. So he says in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, my grandson, when he was just a little tight, my daughter Trina got him a, a dirt bike. Next thing you know, he's, he's racing it. And he raced all over Colorado. And he had trophies that were twice as high as he was. <laughs> he had trophies that was almost as big as that, off from the floor, that he won all over the state of Colorado. And he'd get in his races, and he would just run, and he could jump and, I mean, just fly. He had a reckless abandonment <laughs> to win. I mean, it didn't matter. And he would just fly. And today he has knee trouble. Because all that, and just ruined his knees. And so he's had surgeries on his knees and all, but you ought to, but you ought to see the trophies. And I thought, you know, I'd like to have me a trophy case, but I can't win anything, so I'm going to have to go buy me some trophies. Now, should I have to buy them or should I win them? They say you're supposed to win them, right? Supposed to be legitimate? Well, going to heaven, when we get to heaven, God is going to, Give out a few trophies. And here's Yankee, and here's his little reward. Here's his little trophy. And some people, now Betty, why don't you come up here, and here's Betty's big old trophy that she gets. You put up with that guy, you get a big trophy. But we are, believe it or not, when we get to heaven, it's like God's going to open up that big old trophy case and say, look, 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 there's Lynn. Look, boy, I really had to do a number on him. That's a big trophy right there. Look at the trophy of my grace over there. Ah, oh, look over there. There's Dan, and there's Jay, and there's Dr. Paulson. And all of us will be trophies of his grace. You are a trophy of God's grace that he might show in the ages to come how rich God has been. And so when we talk about the riches of his grace, it means he made a payment that was sufficient to cover the sins of everybody in the whole world. And that's tremendous. Notice what he says in verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved. So this is what we believe here at Calvary Community Church. We believe you're saved by grace because of the payment Christ made. If you were saved by work, it, you would be saved by the payment you made. So you don't have to make a payment. It means you don't have to do anything. You mean I can trust Christ my Savior and go to heaven when I die and I don't have to do anything? That's what he's saying. That's why it's called grace. It's not, well, God will do his part, and you've got to do your part. There's no part that I have to do, except just believe. Just believe, and that's not a work. So he says, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So he says here in verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. 
that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So being saved, whatever saved is, it's the gift of God. It means you didn't earn it, you didn't work for it, and you didn't buy it, you don't deserve it. But you can go to heaven as though you'd never committed a sin. But given of all trespasses, of all of them. Notice what he says in verse 9. Not of works. Some people say, yeah, but that all depends on how you interpret it. Okay, how would you interpret not of works? Not of works. That's how I interpret not of works. Not of works. Now, somebody might interpret that. It is by works. Now, obviously, that's a wrong understanding of that verse. Not of works means what? Not of works. Now, you've got to explain, well, what do you mean by that? Well, good. It means it's, um, you can't earn it. Because, see, if it's by grace, it means it's unmerited. Isn't it true that majority of people believe you have to merit salvation? You have to deserve to be saved. You can't just live like you please and go to heaven when you die. Why? Well, it doesn't make sense. You don't, you don't deserve that. Yeah, I know. But that's what he said. You're saved by grace. And when he says saved, it's here in verse 8. You have been saved. It's a done deal. It's already over. Me being saved was over the day I trusted Christ as my Savior. There's nothing more that needs to be done to save me. There's nothing I can do to unsave me. And there's nothing I can do to keep me saved or secure myself. It's over. Fifty-five years ago in that little old living room in Athens, Georgia, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, it's over. I don't have anything else to do. I did. only thing I needed to do to go to heaven, I trusted Christ as my Savior. It's over. I've been saved. And that's why he says, not by works of righteousness. Oh, that's a great verse. I wonder where it's found in the Bible. Well, let's take a look at it because you need to know that verse in the book of Titus. The book of Titus. Titus in chapter 3, right before the book of Philemon, which is right before the book of Hebrews. And look in Titus, it's on page 1284 in the Old Schofield Reference Bible. Titus chapter 3, and look in verse 5. Verse 5. And verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his what? Mercy, he saved us. He saved us. It's already passed. I've already been saved. Now, a person who hasn't trusted the Lord has not yet been saved. See, if I am in the process of being saved, then I evidently am not yet saved. If I have to do something, then evidently it's not done. I've already been saved. That's why I can't go to hell, because I've been saved. And I was saved... Not by my works of righteousness, but because of his mercy. It means I didn't have to pay for what I did deserve. You see, I, mercy means I didn't get what I deserve. Grace is I got something I didn't deserve. You see, I don't deserve to go to heaven, but I get to go. I do deserve to go to hell, but I don't get to go. So that's grace and mercy came through Jesus Christ. So when we trust Christ as our Savior, mercy... I don't get to go to hell, but I deserve it. Grace, I get to go to heaven, and I don't deserve that. Boy, isn't God good? That's what it means to be saved. That is the greatest message in all the world. There's nothing like it. 
So he says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. Now, take your Bible and turn all the way over there to John chapter 1. The book of John chapter 1 and verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. It's a simple little verse, but notice what he says here. In John chapter 1, in verse 12, where he makes a statement, But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the sons of God. As many as receive him. See, that's why you can confess your sins all day. You can get a lost man to confess his sin, but that's not salvation. You've got to receive Christ. You've got to trust him. You're going to heaven must be because of what he did for you and accept that. When you accept Christ, you're accepting Christ as the payment for your sins. You're not accepting Christ as the one that's going to show you how to live your life. You're not trusting Christ so I can have fellowship with Christ. You're accepting him as the payment for your sins. And you hear a lot of people talk about everything else but the gospel, the good news. And that's why he says, but as many as received him, as many as, see, not, some will, some won't. Not everybody will. But as many as it do, look what happens to them. He gave the power to become the sons of God. How do you become a child of God? By receiving Christ. It doesn't say by confessing your sin. Because you can confess your sins all day. I could set up a booth down here and y'all can come down here and confess your sins to me. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't you like to do that? All right, Sandy, what, did, what really did Lynn say? What really? Well, Lynn, you ought to hear what she said. Now, would you like to tell me what she said? Wouldn't you like to just confess to, all, to me? What's the value of telling me about it? I don't want to know. I don't want to know, know all the dirt on everybody. Who am I supposed to confess mine to? I wonder who the Pope confesses to. I mean, who does the Pope have to confess to? I mean, I'm not a Catholic. I really don't know. Oh, he doesn't know anything wrong. When it comes to spiritual things, he is infallible. Outside of that, you don't have to believe him. Well, doggy. Y'all trying to get me sidetracked this morning. And I'm fighting that urge. I'm doing everything I can to hold back. But here in the book of John, it makes it very simple. He that believeth. If you receive Jesus Christ, you're receiving him. So it means you're getting. You don't give something to the Lord. Salvation is receiving from the Lord. All right, look there in uh, John chapter 5 and verse 24. I've covered this verse many times, but it's a great verse. If you don't have it underlined in your Bible, I'd underline it. It is a wonderful, wonderful verse. And you'll notice there in John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Verily, verily means truthfully, truthfully, I say unto you. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, present tense, hath everlasting life. When? When you get this everlasting life? Right now. Right now. When you believe it. If you believe it, you have everlasting life. And get this. And shall not come into condemnation. That means in the future you can't be condemned. Why? Because when you trusted Christ as your Savior, He was the payment for all of your sins because He died for you. So His death is put to your account as though you died. 
And the reason you can't be condemned in the future is because the law cannot touch a dead man. In other words, when Warren here, when he dies, he doesn't pay any more taxes. He's dead. Isn't that wonderful? He's dead. Dead. So he don't have to go to work the next day. Why? He's dead. He don't, his mama don't have to fix him any more food. Why? Because he's dead. His mama doesn't have to dress him anymore. Why? Because he's dead. And he won't even have to shave anymore. Why? Because he's dead. When a person is dead, you can't do anything else to them. The reason you can't lose your salvation because, see, the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, you died. Now, what can you do to lose your salvation? You're dead. You died because Christ's death put to your account. You're dead, man. That's why once you're dead to the law, the law can't touch you. That's why you can never be condemned again. Why? Because you died. You're dead. You say, what about all those things you did after that? I, I can't. I died. In God's eyes, that's the way God sees you. Now, you may not totally understand that. And I'll have to be honest, sometimes I don't get it all. But I'm so thankful that it's in the Bible. Now, when he makes that statement, hath everlasting life shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You died and came back from the dead, and now you have eternal life. So the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, his death is put to your account and burial and his resurrection. So you died, was buried, and you rose again from the dead, and now you never have to die again. That's your new birth. You were born again. You came into this world as a child of God by faith alone when you trusted Christ as your Savior. And that really is some mighty, mighty good news. Once you're saved, you are always saved. You have eternal life, and God will never cast you out, and he'll never lose you. So once it's done, it's, it's done forever. Look there in the book of uh, Romans now. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. See, a lot of people, when they say join a church and they look at the Constitution, and most of them, they're just reading and never even look up any of the verses. But wouldn't it be good if everybody just, you know, when you study this thing and you look up all these verses, they really make a lot of sense. They're very clear, and, and they prove the point. So when we talk about salvation, this is what we believe at Calvary Community Church. So what kind of people do we want at Calvary Community Church? People that believe this. What if somebody wants to join a church and they believe you have to keep the Ten Commandments and go to heaven? Is that acceptable? That's not acceptable. So you don't believe like we believe. See, we believe that uh, we're just a bunch of sinners and we all deserve to go to hell, but God loved us. And he proved his love by sending his son to pay for our sins, and so we trusted him as our Savior. And we know we have eternal life. Now look what he says in verse 1 of chapter 5 in the book of Romans. Therefore, therefore, being justified by faith. Justified. Just as it, you mean that just as I look up here. God is just. We're unjust. To be justified means that um, God finds no fault in me. I'm just as clean as God. Now, buddy, that's going to take a work. Isn't that going to take some work to do? Well, see, that's why Christ came into the world and he paid for all of our sins, that we 
might be justified. And he does all that by my faith in what Christ did for me. And so I am cleared of all of my sins. What a wonderful thing. And so this is why he says, we have, past tense, we have peace with God. All right, look up here. When we were born in this world, we've got a no sinful nature, so here we are, sin and the Lord. Our sin separates us because of sin. So there's no peace between us and God. It's more like this. There's no peace between us. We are enemies of God because everything we do is against God. And nobody's perfect. Nobody pleases God. The flesh cannot please God. So we can't please Him. And God can't let us into heaven. We can't have any fellowship with the Lord. We can't walk with God because of this thing called sin. So what does God do? Well, He has to do something about that. So He took all the sin, paid for it on the cross through His Son Christ, came back from the dead and says that if we would believe it and accept this peace offering, this offering that he made, this is a sin offering. He made this sin offering, and if we accept that, we are clean. Now me and the Lord can get along. Peace. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And now, this is how God sees us. We have peace. This cannot change. Can't be altered. God can't change it. You can't change it. And that's why God says that he does not put any of those sins to your account. You say, what if I sin tomorrow? Put to his account. What about the next day? We put to his account. Because if he put it to me, then I've got to deal with my sins. And now I'm going to hell because I got a sin that wasn't paid for. They were all paid. We don't deserve this. This is what makes me love the Lord more and more. Because I really see what he did for me. I understand it better than I ever did in my whole life. I didn't know it was like this. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior that day, all I knew is I'm going to hell. And if I trust Christ, I'll go to heaven. And that's what I did. Then I had to learn a lot. And then when I started reading and studying my stars, I didn't know it was so good. It gets better and better, gooder and gooder. Uh, take your Bible, look in the book of Galatians in chapter 2. I want you to see this. Galatians in chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And notice what he says here in verse 16. In verse 16... This is a verse that we have the kids, when they come to college, they have to memorize this verse. The first semester, they've already had to do it. Usually within the first two weeks, they have to memorize this little old bitty verse 16. How would you like to memorize verse 16? You've got to get it word perfect, too. So in verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Isn't that a good verse? It ought to be underlined in your Bible. Because it's letting you see, clear as a bell, nobody can be justified by their works. But by simply believing in Christ, 
God justifies you. See, some people say, well, I ought to go to heaven. I believe in God. See, there's a difference in believing in God and believing God. You might believe in, in, that there is a God, but that doesn't get you to heaven. Will you believe God? Will you believe God when he says you are a sinner? Will you believe God when he says the wage of sin is that? Will you believe God that heaven is perfect? Will you believe God? And most people, they don't know what God said, so they don't believe God. So this is why it's so important. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.